Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Was there nothing worth fighting for? We are called to find something in our lives worth fighting for. Today this city has 10 million souls. Some are living in mansions, some are living in holes. Yet there's no place for us, my dear, yet there's no place for us. Once we had a country and we thought it fair. Look in the atlas and you'll find it there. We cannot go there now, my dear, we cannot go there now. In the village churchyard there grows an old yew. Every spring it blossoms anew. Old passports can't do that, my dear. Old passports can't do that. The consul banged the table and said, If you've got no passport, you're officially dead. But we are still alive, my dear, but we are still alive. Went to a committee, they offered me a chair, asked me politely to return next year. But where shall we go today, my dear? But where shall we go today? Came to a public meeting, the speaker got up and said, If we let them in, they will steal our daily bread. He was talking to you and me, dear, he was talking of you and me. Thought I heard the thunder rumbling in the sky. It was Hitler over Europe saying they must die. Oh, we were in his mind, my dear. Oh, we were in his mind. Saw a poodle in a jacket fastened with a pin. Saw a door opened and a cat let in. But they weren't German Jews, my dear. They weren't German Jews. Went down the harbour and stood upon the quay. Saw the fish swimming as if they were free. Only ten feet away, my dear. Only ten feet away. Walked through a wood, saw the birds in the trees. They had no politicians and sang at their ease. They weren't the human race, my dear. They weren't the human race. Dreamed I saw a building with a thousand floors, a thousand windows and a thousand doors. Not one of them was ours, my dear. Not one of them was ours. Stood on a great plain in the falling snow, ten thousand soldiers marching to and fro, looking for you and me, my dear, looking for you and me. That was Lord Alf Dubbs reading the poem Refugee Blues by W.H. Auden. I'm Blaine Harrison from Mystery Jets, and this is episode one of our podcast, Things Worth Fighting For. I hope wherever you're listening to this, you're keeping safe and managing to stay sane. During this slightly surreal and difficult time, we're inspired by the idea of creating a safe space for inspiring people from different backgrounds to share their experiences and shed some light on some of the biggest conversations today many of which have inspired the songs on our new album, A Billion Heartbeats. Across the series, we'll be exploring stories of protest from amazing writers, musicians, artists and activists who have not only had to overcome adversity, but use their own voice to empower others in the fight for social justice.
theme I wanted to talk about on today's episode is the refugee crisis. For many, it's something that's happening overseas, in the Middle East, in North Africa, on the Mexican-American border, in Greece, Turkey. But when we saw those unforgettable images of the camps in Calais, many people in Britain, where I live, recognised it as being something affecting people much close to home. For a short time, the crisis captured the attention of the global media, but due to the Brexit saga and now coronavirus, amongst many, many other things, it feels very much like it slipped from the political agenda. Britain is a place which has got a rich history in taking in refugees during times of conflict, and I felt that I wanted to explore this a little further with people who've been out there on the front line. One of the ways that I engaged with the conversations around the refugee crisis was through my own songwriting. We wrote a song called Cenotaph, and the message in that song is really about walls and bridges, about what divides us and how we define the place we call home. It's a song about finding hope in an uncertain future, and you'll get a chance to hear the album version of that song at the end of this podcast. Lord Dubbs is someone who has spent much of his life campaigning for refugees. He was a child refugee himself, entering the UK on the kinder transport from what was then Czechoslovakia just before the Second World War. Through his own campaigning as a Labour peer and now in the House of Lords, he passionately fights for unaccompanied child refugees to have safe passage into the country. It's a battle which he hasn't won yet, but I know it's one that he won't give up. Meeting Alf at the House of Lords was an incredible privilege, and I feel grateful for getting to spend some time with such an inspiring human being. Another incredibly inspiring human being is the guest that I'm about to speak to. Our guest on today's episode of Things Worth Fighting For is a remarkable woman and someone I feel immensely proud to be able to call a friend, Josie Norton. In 2015, Josie, Liana Bird and Dawn Porter used the hashtag HelpCalais to raise enough money to drive a van out to the jungle camp. And within a week, their campaign had gone viral and Help Refugees was born. The NGO has since gone on to support over 100 projects across the world with the help of 30,000 volunteers providing vital aid to over a million people fleeing war, persecution, famine and climate change. My conversation with Josie took place at the end of last year, 2019, before many of us went into lockdown, so you'll notice that we had the great privilege of speaking face-to-face, unlike some of the other episodes in this series, which took place via screens and phones. I hope you enjoy our conversation and I'll meet you on the other side. Josie, first off, it's so lovely to have you here with us on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> you're our very first guest too, so it's a huge honour. Oh, I feel very, very honoured. So it's probably worth mentioning that we've known each other for quite a few years through Musicy Friends. Yeah, a long time actually. Yeah, what, seven years, six, seven years? Yeah, a long yeah. time. And then I was a big fan of Mystery Jets before I knew you as well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of you guys. I'm wearing the t-shirt. Yeah, the you limited reckon? edition Rixo. Yeah. Rixo Choose Love. What does Choose Love mean to you? What does that message mean to you? Wow, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I was going to end with that question, but... I <laughs> um, when Help Refugees started, it all kind of happened by accident. We wanted to just raise a thousand pounds and one van load of like tents and sleeping bags and take them to Calais. 
but ended up accidentally raising £56,000 in the first week. Wow. Um, we started an Amazon wish list of all of those items, like tents and sleeping bags, and ended up getting 7,000 packages on the first day and then subsequently every day for five weeks delivered. So we suddenly had to go on social media, advertise for volunteers, um, and people were amazing. They were just showing up with their heart. But we realized that we didn't know who any of this stuff was going to go to. So we went to Calais on a Friday night and expected to find like the big aid organization that we would give all of this stuff to. So like the Red Cross people. Exactly. Or a governmental body or someone. And we got there and there were 5,000 people um, at that time living in a field with like nothing. When I say nothing, nothing. It was like so muddy. There were babies without nappies on. People had no shoes on. If they had a tent at all, it was like some crappy tent from a festival. You could feel how cold it was getting. Like, I had just never seen anything like that with my own eyes and I never expected to see it in Europe. And it was just the, the, the humanity of it and like looking people in the eyes and thinking that that could be you. It changed me forever. And then when we decided that we would put on a music event to raise funds, very luckily we got connected to Catherine Hamnett, who had designed the Choose Life the Choose t-shirt, Life yeah, which George Michael is very famous. Yeah. And and she then went on to do so many t-shirts that were about like stopping the nuclear program, save the NHS. She's she's a, an incredible activist. And I've been lucky enough to get to know her over the last four years and she's a huge inspiration. But we were talking about what the t-shirt w- would say. Mm. And by this point, we had decided that we were called Help Refugees. Um, and the slogan of the time that everyone talked about was refugees welcome so Mm. we were saying maybe it should be both of those but it was becoming so politicized refugee crisis and you know i'm i'm sure so what year is this 2015 okay so yeah this is august 2015 and it was becoming so politicized and and you know the crisis was used in in the like pro-Brexit movement and all of these things and people were forgetting that it was actually about human beings and I was saying to her you know about this first day of going to Calais and that it could be I just felt struck by that it could be that could be my mum or if I had kids it could be my kids or it could be me yeah just the the humanity but also she said why don't we change choose life to choose love um and so we did and we had it at a music event yeah, so what um, was the music event? So it was in, no, yeah, well, I'm trying to think when it, and it ended up being November 2015. It was at the forum. We got donated the, the building for free. Um, and then Paloma Faith headlined, Peace played, Richard Bacon hosted it, right. Kate Tempest played, oh, wow. um, a really amazing refugee um, band played. Um, and it was, an, it was an amazing fundraiser night, but the t-shirt and that message of Choose Love just really caught on and... And now it's like, it means so much to people, I think, not mm. just about the refugee crisis, but in so much of this world that's now so divided and there's so much hate. It's a, an amazing reminder that that we have a, a choice in how to react to things. One of your co-founders described Help Refugees as an accidental organisation. Um, some of our listeners will be fascinated by this. What's What's the process of setting up a charity what do you need I mean as you said you didn't have experience in the charity sector per se but you had a great idea and and um I think timing was a big part of it wasn't it yeah absolutely it was a moment it was a moment in time um where this crazy thing was happening I think the the photo of that 
the little boy island curdy that washed up yeah. on the turkish shoreline like made an explosion of compassion i think in the public and because this crisis was happening on our doorstep people had to step up so i don't think if we'd have decided to start something now it would have snowballed in the way that it did but basically when we set up we um obviously never intended to raise that amount of money or have that much um amount of aid but we we suddenly had it all so then we had a responsibility to make sure it went to the right place um when you raise over a certain amount of money on a crowdfunding page it has to go to a charity um so then we looked into like setting up as a charity but that's it could have taken up to nine months and we needed to spend the money yesterday um but also we didn't have any experience and i'm probably would have made a lot of mistakes really easily so we were very lucky to be connected to an organization called prism the gift fund who are traditionally a donor advised fund so they help manage people's family foundations that kind of thing They set up this new model where small grassroots organizations could sit underneath them um, and you would have an account and then they would they have a legal team and a finance team and they basically hold all of the funds and then you tell them how it needs needs to be spent and they make sure that it's all compliant that it is for charitable purposes they manage it all and then for donors that's like another layer of due diligence and then for us it also meant we could sleep at night knowing that we weren't making a mistake and it allows you to do what you're good at which is the work on the ground the raising the funds um so it's been an amazing partnership and and now four and a half years later we obviously do know a lot a lot more but we still work with prison because it just it's a it's a really brilliant um relationship sure I think one of the first points that I became aware of Help Refugees was um, there was a solidarity sleep out which happened yeah. um, on Whitehall. And it was it was the evening before the Dubs Amendment was being brought up in Parliament. Yeah. Um, so for, for, for those of our listeners that don't know about Lord Dubs, what's his, how, what part does he play in, in the movement? So on the very first time that I went to Calais, um, we met a boy who was about 15 um, and we got talking to him and he had a cool Adidas jumper on and we were saying we would like your jumper and from getting to talk to him, we established that he was there completely on his own and he had travelled from Syria to the camp completely alone um and I I didn't even have a concept that he could he could be on his own that just seemed so mad to me and he told us the story of coming over on the boat from Turkey to Greece and that the smugglers pack so many people onto the boats to make as much money as possible and then I mean it's a lot of money isn't it it's extortionate like at that time like five thousand pounds and so people are being really exploited It's, it's it's so heartbreaking and they, so they packed so many people onto the boat and they would sometimes throw people off to make the boat not not sink and it would be people who were on their own. So he had told us that he had had to cling to the boy next to him who was also unaccompanied um, and said, we're brothers, we're brothers. And then he was saying, and we made it and look where he's here, he's here now. And we were asking him, what would you like us to bring you? We'll bring you anything from London. We can get you... Adidas trousers, I don't know. Um, And he was like, I just wish I had my mom. And it just broke broke my heart. Anyway, it turned out that there were so many unaccompanied children living in 
um, the camp and, and there were amazing, a particular amazing woman called Liz Clegg who was there looking after all of these unaccompanied children. The, the children were as young as eight, some of them, on their own. Really? But anyway, so we were working in the camp. We are supporting the volunteers such as Liz Clegg um, who were looking after the, the children and we were able to be providing the children a shelter, um, a phone, maybe clothes, but like no children should be should be living like that and they were so at risk of exploitation and trying to get to the UK and so we started to talk to them about why they were doing that and lots of them you know had lost their families but they had one family member in in the UK so but there was no legal way for them to reach their family um so we began funding lawyers and working with an organization called safe passage to try and um in fact they had a legal right to be with their family member they just had no way to access it i mean can you explain a little about what the what the process of applying for asylum in britain actually involves so it depends how you will have arrived here um but if you are a spontaneous um arrival you'll go to a police station sure um and they will process you um and then you will eventually begin your relationship with the asylum office um and you will have to give evidence about why um you've had to flee your home and why you were in danger and the reason that you're um, claiming asylum yeah. um, and then within that process is your offer it's, it's complicated and it kind of it varies for different people but often you'll be placed in how in like a kind of hostel type housing you will it's re- it's difficult all the process to work to be able to get some funds to allow you to survive but it's a really very small amount of money and it's complicated because if you don't do the forms on certain times or go to the correct bank at the right time like it there's can, it can all tape. go wrong yeah um so much so that i think there's a stat that's like 35 percent of homeless people in london um are refugees or asylum seekers God. um yeah. so it's yeah it's complicated and then you will have to do an interview where you will have to talk through and that can be really hard for people because they have to Learn relive the language, their yeah or... language or they hope you have a translator but you have to like relive your experience journey. and your journey and yeah. they will any small discrepancy, if they find any discrepancy in anything, that can jeopardise your your claim. So, yeah, it's complicated. It's it's a hot. It, and as you this, said, some of these journeys have lasted. You know, they've gone over land and sea. They've ab- lasted months. Absolutely. And, and there's family left back at home. A hundred percent. And families in all different countries that have been separated on the journey. But I think the, the thing about the UK is that it's in some cases it. It's amazing. Yeah. Like it's sometimes amazing. And, and when the system works, it works so well. And we are a really hospitable, lovely country. And we do, you know, we do support people. But then there are there are areas of of all of the refugee policy that's getting more and more hostile. Yeah. Um, and there is there are so many cracks that can form in in the system. And when people fall through those cracks, it's utterly heartbreaking. I mean, do you feel that the media narrative in this country has been stolen by Brexit? How how do we point that lens back at, you know, something that's arguably far more important and pressing? I mean, it is heartbreaking to me that 
that this is no longer seen as news. You know, the Greek islands are at their their fullest they've been since 2015, where we um, work on Lesvos, for example, in Moria camp, which is built for 3,200 people. Even that, it shouldn't be that many people. It's an old prison. It's at 17,000 people. It's 40% children. Um, it's devastating. And you just can't get that into the news like we can we reach out to journalists we do press releases and it's just it's just not news anymore like you say Mm. the news agenda is is brexit it's donald trump um so we have to really think about new ways to make the crisis engaging new ways to talk to people i also think there's just so much bad stuff going on in the world people have had to kind of become a bit desensitized and and it seems normal now to see to see stuff like that. So we've had to, um, which is one of the other reasons Choose Lovers is, is so great. We we kind of you try and use that positive message and do things like the Choose Love shops, which yeah. we have um, open at the moment, um, to engage people. And we have to do things like make pink neon signs that say love has no borders and that kind of thing to get people to share it on Instagram and get this. That's why the celebrity support as well is so important. Um, get, I mean, this, this, the shop is quite... It's quite an amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah. I know. I came, I think it was last Christmas I came and I did, I did some Christmas shopping. And it's worth noting that it's, it's a lot more than just selling your amazing designs. There's, there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. So the idea of the store, we wanted it to look cool like an Apple store. We wanted to make... Which char- it does. It does. I mean, yeah. Um, we wanted it to be like, make, like I keep saying, make charity cool, make compassion cool, yeah. like a new take on the charity shop. So we have a big table down the middle, mm. in the first one anyway. And on the table are items that we distribute like a child's coat or a blanket. Um, and you can buy it, leave with nothing. And then we buy those items in the countries that we work in. Or there was like a life jacket that represents search and rescue. So you buy that and then those funds go towards the search and rescue boat. Yeah. But we also have gift cards so you can give it to someone as a Christmas present. So um, it, said, you can, it says inside like, dear mum, I've bought you a blanket, but you won't find it under the tree this year. Instead, help refugees will give it to someone who truly needs it. And people just, it, it's, a, it's really emotional. It's, it's like the most, it's a really happy pocket of hope, I think, inside the stores. I remember there's, um, when I visited, there was this, there was another option where you could buy the shop. Yeah. And then every now and again, you'd hear um, the person behind the till shout, Someone's bought the shop. Yeah. And there would be this incredible kind of festive cheer in the room. Yeah, it's amazing. Buy, buy the shop is so, so brilliant. You've also opened a store on the other side of the Atlantic. Yeah. Or two stores. Two stores, New York and LA. So we did last year, we did in London and New York. And this year we've done London, New York and LA. That's brilliant. Yeah. Would it be fair to say that Help Refugees is a kind of new model of charity? Yeah, I think so. Um yeah, we get we get called disruptive quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think there's this this yeah, the idea of it being solidarity rather than charity is really important and the 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 coming at looking at this as that there are root causes that to be honest, sometimes, you know, the West and we have been responsible for why yeah, this for why this situation is happening. Yeah. Um and then wanting to support organizations who have um the human being at the center of the way that they work often the organizations we work with are often refugee led or at least the the project design has refugees involved in that it's always trying to be about empowerment it's trying to 
um, to change the situation as well, not yeah. just put a plaster on it. Um, yeah, and re- and really, it's it's people helping people. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I went to see, I think it was last year, I went to see The Jungle Play in the West mm. End, which I know you guys were involved in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that, was, that was quite incredible. It, it was something that I think before... I went, I felt worried that it might feel invasive or um, perhaps voyeuristic in, in some sense. But but actually the the feeling was incredible. It felt incredibly educational. Mm. And I know the reviews were amazing. And It's the best, even though I'm biased, it's the best play I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen something that, just that's so captured the human spirit and was true to a situation yeah. and um yeah so, so in fact on my very in like the first week that I was ever in Calais I was in the camp um and I, we were helping put up a shelter and these two young guys were putting up a big dome right. um and they were called Joe and Joe uh and it was a theatre and it was the theatre was a really magical place in the camp and all the different communities used it and there were um amazing music events there was martial arts going on art different performances um and it was a a real place of soul within the within the camp um and after all the evictions um it was called the good good chance theater and good chance then decided that they would um write a play about what happened so it's also it's like this it's the story of the refugees it's the story of the volunteer movement and that volunteer movement became help refugees yeah so all all the characters of the volunteers um you know i know who they all are right amazing Um, and then but the ref what's really special about the play is that the refugees themselves lots of whom had now got to the uk were involved in the writing of it and i um so they wrote that too with joe and joe and i think that's why it's so special. Yeah. Um, and in fact, some of the refugees who were in Calais are in the place. I was going to say, that was one of the yeah. things that felt so touching um, about it. And, and they're just all amazing, amazing people. And yeah, so we've been charity partner of the play. It came to New York actually when we had the shop there last year. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was amazing. But it is, it, 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 it really changed people, that play. Yeah. I recommend, it's going to go on like a worldwide tour. So I, anyone who oh, hasn't brilliant. seen it, I really recommend going to see it. So, I mean, for, for some of our listeners that will be, um, you know, interested in volunteering opportunities, is yeah. there, is there qualifications? Is there certain skills that help in that um, program? Well, so what's been really amazing about this volunteer movement is how it's like so youth led. Yeah. So it really is so often like volunteers between 
18 to 30. It's the new 18 to 30 club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Forget club, man. Yeah, exactly. Come and uh, um, help refugees. Uh, but also there are people who are 70 who are volunteering and mm. it's all different skill sets. So basically whatever you whatever you want to do, there will be something you can do. And yeah. if you can't, not everyone can go and be abroad for a long period of time. So you can volunteer in like our shops at Christmas yeah. or we have events all the time that need volunteers or we'll do like pack ups of big containers of aid that are going to places and um and then there are lots of organizations that support refugees in the country that we maybe don't work with so um yeah people people can find in their local community so many different amazing ways to help but volunteering is such a fun brilliant thing to do i think yeah it's interesting when you when you talk about the demographic of a lot of your volunteers being younger people and older people you know yeah in a way that's something that really strikes you about um the you know the climate strikes as well yeah because there's a lot of synergy between in a way the refugee crisis and the climate crisis isn't there it's so much so i think actually we've really started to kind of change our narrative and bring in that we support people who are fleeing their homes because of conflict, persecution and climate change. Um, It's estimated that there'll be a billion displaced people by 2050, largely because of climate change and the conflict that it will, it will lead to. And, and it's the same, you know, it's the, the, the power structures and, and, capitalism that is leading to a lot of the wars and conflicts and the inequality that's forcing people to leave their homes which is the same thing that's that's leading to to climate change and 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 us not not being able to do what we need to do in order to stop this rise of temperature so it 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 is amazing it's a lot of the same people and, and a lot of the climate marches i've seen lots of people who've also volunteered with us or our partners some of your work has taken a place further afield in Lebanon and in, yes. in the Middle East. Yes. How do the conditions there compare to, to places like Lesbos and Calais where so, we're more familiar with the, yeah. the crisis? Um, I mean, it's, it's so different in scale yeah. there. So in, in Lebanon, um, it's like 25% of the population are refugees obviously a huge proportion of them are palestinian refugees some people are third generation um refugees and then there are big camps where people have very little access to services and people have i mean that's just a huge that's a huge amount of a population to to need i mean i've seen some of the photos and it's literally streets upon streets yeah and temporary accommodation and you know, the winters are, are very harsh. It's really hot in the summer. So yeah. we're supporting a lot of the same services, really, as mm. as we are in Europe. But in some ways, it's kind of can almost feel less hostile um, because there's not been not that police presence like there is in Calais. Sure. Um, and the overcrowding is, is in a different way to what it is in um, on the Greek islands, um, but the scale is just so huge, yeah. and there's just so many children that are not in education, um, and you just worry so much for what what will happen to their future because you can just see how amazing and incredible they all are, and then you're so close to the border as well that you can really see the the the, the kind of the scars of war that are left. Um, there's complicated again. Different people have different sets of rights, so there are lots of people that literally don't have access to medical care. Yeah. Um, but then 
and there are kids that have no access to schooling but then there are some people that do have access to those things so it's really complicated and then in Syria I mean now because you've spent a fair bit of time out there I've been to the border both in Turkey and and in Lebanon um and that is just a whole other world like the borders are now all closed which is kind of why the flow of people is um much less although there's the between Turkey and Greece it's at the highest it's been since 2015 um but in Syria right now you know in Idlib there are three million civilians a million children um and they're they're trapped they're just trapped there and they're still being bombed every single day um and it's schools it's hospitals it's the idp camps that are being targeted it's like it's civilians that are being targeted in the videos and the pictures that you see are just it's just unbearable and mm. the world is completely turning its back on on these people so i think that's the the really heartbreaking situation because i think most people don't think of refugee camps being in war zones they think of them being kind of safe places away from where you know where it's all kicking off and i think that really that really rams at home yeah to know that that actually that flow of people is stopping when it gets to to the border yeah it really is and i I just said idp and i realize people really don't know what that is yeah perhaps internally displaced person um and that's really a huge especially now over this four years when we see this swing to the right and you know migration and displacement isn't going anywhere but but people in power are just thinking that the solution is to build walls um and it isn't and what that causes is people being displaced within their own countries one thing i was going to say is that how do we direct the media back towards because it's so important i think with any of with any of these incredibly pressing causes is we need to keep that conversation open we need to keep this you know there is always this media rhetoric and narrative coming into um you know into the political agenda but how how do we keep focused on yeah on the refugee crisis i mean that is a question that we ask ourselves every single day um and it's yeah i i wish i knew the answer um it's difficult because it tends to only be the the stories of people being smuggled in lorries or people trying to get here on boats that do ever break through. It's but the when, stories. Yeah. It's not, it's not the positive stories. It's not the positive stories. Yeah. And then even, you know, the, the use of the word migrant versus refugee. Yeah. It, it's hard to, 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 to change this narrative. And, and yeah. what we need to do to change public opinion is show the positive stories yeah. and show the human beings yeah. that, that are going through this. But when these people are in such hostile situations and environments, um, they don't always feel comfortable to talk about about what's happening to them. Sometimes it can even affect their asylum claim. Sure. Um, so we, yeah, we we need to think of of new ways to engage people and tell these stories. And then we also just really need um, our media to take to take responsibility and 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 cover the the truth and talk mm. about it in in the correct way but i you know we we try we're trying really hard to to find cool ways to to tell stories and we do live in a time where there it's not it's not just the media we can do it through other platforms and um and so many people have amazing stories to tell and yeah. you know music that they want to share and um and we we hope that yeah connections will start to build and 
Well, I know that one of the things you did was um, help launch the Refugee Week. Yeah. At the, at the VNA. And I, yeah. I think that, in a way, these kind of social media initiatives have been so powerful in fields like mental health and suicide awareness. Yeah. And perhaps that engagement via social media, particularly with young people, feels like a really powerful tool yeah. to actually spread the word outside of the media, the kind of traditional media. Yeah, definitely. Mainstream. Refugee Week is a, is a fun week for us to do cool things, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, we did the v and and then last year we were given another shop for free um, yeah. just off Carnaby Street. Um, and we worked with the Empathy Museum and we set up a shoe shop called A Mile In My Shoes. I heard about this. It was I really so wanted to come cool. To it. So we um, it basically takes, I think it's 12 minutes to walk a mile. Yeah. So we, we worked with lots of different refugees who we work with, including Lord Afdubs, um, who were living in the UK. And yeah. they were telling, they tell their story. It's recorded in a really beautiful way. And then they give a pair of their shoes. And then you come to the shop and you, you're given a, a headset and yeah. you put their shoes on. And then you can go for a walk outside um, for a mile. And you listen to their story and walk, walk literally in their I mean, shoes. that must have been incredibly powerful. It was uh, amazing. People loved it people yeah. again people were so moved to tears um and actually we were only open for a week and by the end of the week word of mouth had spread so much that so many people wanted to come yeah. so i think we have to do it again like with the play that feels like the kind of it's it's these immersive for want of a better word yeah. these kind of immersive experiences that really do bring you into the story and i and i you know obviously being a musician being a songwriter storytelling is is something that's very important to me and it's it's what you know it's sort of what drives my work and I think it's in those kind of projects that you really see the power of what art can bring to something incredibly serious a hundred percent yeah it it is this is all about it's all about human connection and I think the arts is 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 human connection so um that's why yeah the play mile in my shoes the having having people who write songs or are actors put their voice to, to this cause is, is so important. And, um, yeah. Which, which I feel like help refugees has never had to try to find those things. You know, I think you, you've got this incredible love from the, from the arts and from the music industry and we're so um, lucky, you know, and people, people are queuing up to, to support, you know the cause and to fly the flag for you yeah you know or with you and that's that's um that's such a powerful thing it's a it's the biggest privilege in the whole world to do this job so one question i'm going to ask you is is a question that we're going to ask each of our guests oh cool and that is what are three things that you believe are worth fighting for (sighs) wow such a good question um three things that i believe are worth fighting for that all humans are equal that all all children are our children every anything that you do to someone else you're doing you're you're doing to yourself um I think the planet (laughs) um that's a pretty big one it's a pretty big (laughs) one yeah our our beautiful earth we only have one earth Um, and I think that's all tied in together. All humans being equal, I think all beings are equal. Everyone has equal right to the different parts of the earth. Yeah. Um, and 
the NHS. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll stand by that one. Yeah. Um, Josie, it's been an absolute pleasure. No, thank you so much <laughs> for having me. It's been so fun and yeah, yeah, you're brilliant. Obviously, you know, we've been friends for a long time, but I think I've just got so much admiration for everything you guys do and, you know, keeping the refugee agenda, um, keeping that flag flying. And I know lots of our listeners are going to be super excited to know more about the charity. So we're going to put some links in the show notes so they can discover all about volunteering opportunities and how to donate. Oh, well, thank you so much. And and you too, you know, you use your platform and, and your music to keep the fire of humanity alive <laughs> and spread love. And that's it's so important. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to episode one of Things Worth Fighting For. It was a huge privilege to meet Lord Dubs and to speak to Josie from Help Refugees. Uh, We'll be back very shortly with another episode. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to get in touch, contact us on Instagram, on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you, what you like about the show. And we'll be back very soon. And to play you out, we're going to listen to Centaur from our new album, A Billion Heartbeats. See you next time. Set a